Welcome to the Launch Place podcast, where we discuss how entrepreneurs can raise capital, find support, and launch their business. I'm Tom Snyder. Today, we'll be talking to Brittany Barreto, founder of Fem Health Insights and winner of the 2022 Big Launch Challenge. She's known as the voice of Femtech, host of the Femtech Focus podcast, a Forbes contributor, a scientist, a founder, an investor, advisor, speaker. You do all the things, Brittany. I am so excited to have you here on the program. So excited to be here. Thanks. So for those that are not familiar with uh, Fem Health Insights, uh, just give us the quick overview, if you would. Yeah. So Fem Health Insights is a, a data and research firm. We support large companies with their women's health innovation strategy, and we provide resources to Femtech founders. Femtech is the name of the industry for innovation in women's health and wellness. Femtech, for those who aren't familiar with the, the industry, it's really rapidly growing and uh, it's a pretty amazing place. If you're not familiar, particularly if you're an investor, I know we have a lot of investors on the audience. This is an area you really should be looking about, looking at. Can you like just give a little bit of a, an overview of where the industry is today? Yeah. So you may be asking yourself, well, isn't this just healthcare? And it is, but sadly, healthcare has been based on a male paradigm. So whether it's the cell lines we use in basic scientific research, the animal models we use, or even clinical trial standards, it has been largely, largely based on male as a sex. And so what has happened is that scientists and doctors have assumed, well, women are like little men. And so we'll just assume everything's the same, just a little smaller shrink it and pink it, if you will, from the CPG world. Um, but unfortunately, healthcare, we're, we're, it's not just about a bracelet being smaller and pinker. Um, we have different hormones and cycles and literal anatomy and organs that are different. And so the femtech movement, and I do call it a movement, is that we have this huge rise of females and women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and medicine, who've started to say, hey, wait a minute, this drug was not dosed based on my metabolism. This medical device was not built for my anatomy. And that could even include whether you're a surgeon using tools. I actually just talked to a really awesome robotics entrepreneur this morning, and she said one of the biggest things that she's working on is changing the button sizes in robots because they've been based on a male's button size or finger size. And so, you know, once you start to get under, you know, flip one stone, you start to realize, oh my gosh, was sex and gender considered in anything? And unfortunately, the answer is usually no. Excuse me, but that's why it's a movement. That's why it's a movement where we're going around and saying, hey, did you consider sex and gender in this medical device, in this therapeutic, in this medical procedure, in this consumer packaged good, et cetera? And Honestly, um, the answer is often no, but guess what? There's huge opportunity because this is innovating for more than half the population. So we're estimating it about a trillion dollar market. So big opportunities, lots of wide open space for innovation to happen. And um, it's just also a really fun, fun industry. Over 85% of our founders are female. We're super collaborative. We're passion over, uh, you know, purpose over profits kind of driven industry. It's, it's really just so fun. You shared an amazing story. I, I was fortunate enough to hear you speak at South by Southwest this year and, and shared an amazing story that really stuck with me that, that you mentioned there there have been multiple diseases that we thought we had cured and then realized all the testing had only been done on male mice. This isn't even just a human problem. It's across the board a problem. And so when you think about the opportunity in the white space, you know that that's where investors like. There's unmet needs, there's problems to solve, and it doesn't shock me at all the size of the market that you're predicting. 
Yeah. So lots of opportunity. So, you know, there are definitely um, some bad or harder or sadder days when you hear about how many women are bleeding out during childbirth. And you're like, this is 2023. Women should not be dying from childbirth anymore, especially at the rates that we have in the United States. Um, And yet what I like to do where I kind of position myself is, okay, this is devastating and unacceptable. What can we do about it? By the way, this isn't just a charity. This is a business. Um, You know, I also think think I mentioned at South by Southwest, uh, colonoscopies, the colonoscope, colonoscope, excuse me, is made for a male's intestines. Most female uh, colonoscopies are unfinished because they can't get through all the twists and curves of our very uh, curled up, you know, sharing space with our female reproductive organs. And so, I mean, if anyone out there wants a billion dollar business, make a female colonoscope because currently gastroenterologists, they use pediatric colonoscopes for females. And it's like, I mean, come on, guys, this is just this is it's not you don't have to go to business school to realize opportunity here. You obviously are are doing great. You're killing it. And I want to hear about where you're at and where you're going in a moment. Tom, I like to say birthing it. I'm birthing it. Birthing it. You're birthing (laughs) it. And it's at least twins. Uh, Oh, my God. I didn't think about how many. You're right. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Let's go back a year, 2022. You had an opportunity to apply to the Big Launch Challenge, which is a, a contest that the Launch Place uh, out of Danville, Virginia, runs every year, looking at you know those earlier stage companies that have demonstrated real traction. They're growing. Walk us through, you know, what attracted you to, to that opportunity? Why did you apply, and and what was the impact for you? Yeah. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have started several other startups. I've actually also worked in venture capital. And so here's my advice to anyone out there who's fundraising or looking for some early stage funding opportunities. Go to websites like F6S. So that's actually where I found this pitch competition. I was on F6S. I made a company profile and you can actually set settings in F6S. It's essentially a dashboard for accelerators, for pitch competitions, for just opportunities for entrepreneurs. And so And I think investors also have a kind of investor view on it. But if you're a founder, go to F6S, make yourself a profile, set yourself some alerts for things that are fitting for what you're working on. So I probably did like East Coast, you know, seed stage, tech company. What am I interested in? I'm interested in pitch competitions, et cetera. Set all these settings. And I got an alert one day for the launch challenge. And I said, huh? This is perfect. It's literally right in my backyard. Do, 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 applied. And I actually think you could even apply through F6S's website, which is really cool because it saves you a lot of time. You fill out your application once, you can apply to multiple things. And so I applied, got accepted, had like, um, you know, interview with some of the judges, became a finalist, uh, went and, um, you know, I love to pitch. Obviously, you can hear I love to talk. My palms were still sweaty. So if you're a founder out there who's like, oh, my God, I think I might vomit on stage. That's okay. I have done hundreds of pitches. And I can tell you of at least twice, if not more, I have blacked out on stage, like forgot my pitch and like had to excuse myself. So you do not need to be a master MC to be a pitcher, right? So even then last year, post hundreds of pitches, my palms were sweaty, my knees were a little weak. I was like nine out of 10. So it was like just this buildup. 
and all these other awesome companies are going up there pitching these great ideas. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna be true to myself, go up there, have a good time. The more relaxed you are, the more authentic you are, people really connect to that. You know, they're not just picking a winner based on the business idea. They're picking a winner based on who's on that stage. Who do they know is going to be the most grateful, be able to share it far and wide, be able to give back when they're successful. Right. And so trying to like, you know, show those emotions, which sometimes can be hard and, but, you know, just get up there, be authentic. That's what I did. And we did end up winning uh, one of those giant checks, you know, the big, woo, I had it uh, actually getting ready to move and I recently had to make a decision like, okay, Britt, it's been like 18 months. What are we doing with this giant check? Um, but, uh, you know, kept that for a while and $10,000. What an amazing little dose of capital that actually, um, I mean, I didn't tell anyone at the time, I don't think at least not publicly, like I personally was negative in my own personal bank account at the time. Like that check meant more to me than many people know. And so, um, again, if you're a founder out there that's like, well, I don't have any money, hustling is real. And, um, you know, sometimes the universe will give you exactly what you need when you need it. And I, I got that check and, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we're at about a 90 day runway right now, but, uh, I mean, 90 days is much better than yesterday. <laughs> yeah, or, or back yesterday, right. You know, back in time. So yeah, yeah. That's great. And, and the money of course is important, but there's a lot that you get out of these. Like right, how else were you able to leverage an opportunity like this? Yes. So I also recommend pitch competitions, not just for the winning part, but most times those judges are angel investors. And I also knew that in that audience, I could see there was a lot of local angels from RTP. And so Research Triangle Park here in Raleigh. And it was just uh, an excellent, excellent opportunity to pitch as if I was in an angel network. Right. So it's not just a competition. You're literally pitching for investment right there. In fact, one of the judges became an angel investor for me. She came up to me in the parking lot and said, hey, I've been judging this thing for about five years. I've never been so influenced by somebody. I think you're working on something really important. I'd like to know more. And we had a few other calls and uh, ended up working together and having an investment. So. I mean, that check turned into bigger checks, um, bigger than $10,000. And so definitely, um, I don't know about the other founders, but they were there was investors in that room, whether or not they walked away with the big cardboard check that I did, they may have even walked away with more, who knows? So keep applying, get on that stage, get your message out there. And yeah, win or lose, there's a great opportunity and, and your your message is going to resonate somewhere. So that's, that's, right. that's, a, that's a great lesson. Uh, before the show, we were talking a little bit and you shared um, some of the learning that you've had along the way as you've done kind of that transition from the pure customer discovery, which of course you continue to do through the life of your business into starting to deliver to the market. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes on social media, especially like LinkedIn can look so shiny and everyone's like, wow, Brit must be a billionaire by now. Or, you know, like their business must be have hundreds of millions of sales. And it's like, oh, right. So I just want to give these listeners a little bit of like a under the hood uh, story. And I also am just like living this lesson right now so deeply. And I just feel like I need to share it with some other founders. So um, the lean startup methodology is that you should go to 
market with the minimally minimalist MVP you've ever had in your life, right? Something you're almost embarrassed to go with. Like if you're not embarrassed, it's too good almost, right? Well, I didn't take my own advice <laughs> or at least the advice from that book. And um, just to backtrack a little bit for those who aren't familiar with Fem Health Insights product, essentially what we've built was like a women's health version of PitchBook. So it's a CRM with companies and information about the companies, but specifically about women's health. And it's different from PitchBook because we have tags like menopause and menstruation. So you can actually filter through the data much more effectively. So just think of that women's health specific pitch book. Um, and what happened was last year I was doing my customer interviews showing people my database, which was in Airtable, um, not promoting Airtable, although if they want to give me some credits, I'll take it. Uh, uh, you know, so I was doing my customer interviews with the raw data essentially, and the customers and these customers are business development executives at pharmaceutical companies. They're private equity firm analysts or analysts, excuse me. Um, and they were like, we love it. We love the data. We love it. And so I said, oh, this is so great. Now I just need to build like a pitch book with graphs and functionalities. And I spent a bunch of money that I am still paying back in payment plans um, to a to an awesome software company like they're great. Like, but what happened was I got the finished product about two months ago and I've been demoing it and I'm not getting sales and I'm like, what? the heck is happening? Where, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? And I thought to myself, what if I just went back to the raw data and sold like a view only version of Airtable so that they can't edit it, they can't modify it, but they can see all the data. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. I'm selling it like wildfire. I'm selling this thing like wildfire at the same price that I was selling the software that I thought I had to build with all these bells and whistles and features and buttons and graphs and Oh my God. So a little bit kicking myself in the butt because I still owe the software company on my payment plan, but I'm paying them with sales that is not from the software that they built for me. Um, and so all of that to say is one, gosh, entrepreneurship is just a big fat playground of mistakes and learning. And it's all about pivoting quickly and fast. And um, second, it's, it's uh, you know what, sometimes I think that maybe this is a female founder thing too. I don't know if male founders out there listening can, can commiserate or not, but sometimes as a female founder, I feel like I have to bring to market such a polished product because um, people are going to underestimate me. People are going to, you know, undervalue the solution. And so I need to really come out with a bang and actually what I needed was just to go to market with my raw data. So that's a little uh, inside peek. You won't see that probably posted on LinkedIn anywhere, but uh, it's a real life lesson. I, I really appreciate that. And and what I like is that it's not necessarily like the fake it till you make it mindset. Mm. It's that like good enough is often good enough, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, customers that's, that's... told me they liked it. Why did I decide to make something else? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, oh. it's, it's fascinating. That's, uh, you know, we all in some way, you know, of course we love our own baby and our own vision of what our baby should be, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Here's a little bit of validation. My baby's on the way. I just need to finish the birthing, right? Yep. And, yep. Uh, yeah. Maybe not in this case. Yeah. Uh, Great, great stuff. You are a, a very public person. As you said, you've got all these followers and everything else, which don't necessarily translate directly to, to sales or success, but you have an opportunity. You have a platform 
to be an example of what maybe you didn't have as many examples of yourself. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about as you were building your first companies and, and maybe also Fem Health Insights, like where did you look to for inspiration? <laughs> that is so funny because guess what the first name was in my head that was a true inspiration it was Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy and should not be my answer. And yet, and it has absolutely been adjusted. For those who don't know, Elizabeth Holmes is, uh, you know, charged and I think, um, I don't know, I'm not a law or lawyer person. Maybe She's in a hell of a lot of trouble yeah. for having lied about her technology. And, but I can remember, I actually literally remember the moment I saw Times Magazine where she was on the front with her black turtleneck holding up this little pill, little vial of blood. I can remember it. And it was like, you know, first female billionaire, like under 30, you know, doing tech. And I was like, oh. That's so cool. Like she, she's saying, I don't care if you think it's impossible. I'm going to make it happen. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't possible. And so she was stretching the truth. But, um, you know, for me, I, I love to look to people who have been counted out first and then uh, just continued to do what they do, knowing that what they were doing was important and meaningful. And they at the end of the day, they they made it. And so that person, that target has has moved uh, many times over the years. Sometimes it's been, you know, a male investor that believed in me and um, said, hey, kid, you know, like, I like what you're doing. I don't really get it, but you got spunk and ambition and motivation. And I, I want to give you a chance. Sometimes it looked like, you know, a woman from college admissions that when I went for my tour and said, I don't know how I'll ever pay for this. She said, you know, follow up with me. And I got this big scholarship out of nowhere. Right. Like sometimes this it's it can just be that person who says, um, you know, I see the light in you and I want to give you a shot. So much of my progression has been showing up to places early to help set up the chairs or seeing someone handing out papers and asking, do they need help passing that out? Um, so much of it is, you know, doing just giving back and giving talks like this and, you know, being honest and authentic about my experience and people saying, damn, thank you so much for that story. Like it really touched me. By the way, I know somebody who's an angel investor, right? And then cha-ching, it turns into a check. So um, my biggest like um, advice, I guess, for uh, who to follow is continue to follow people who are breaking the barriers that you wanna break, but then also you can break your own barriers simply by being a good person because so often, People just want to see someone who has uh, some core values, and, and the uh, doors are doors are just waiting to be opened for you. Yeah, it, it's wonderful. At, at Riot and our accelerator, we talk about that as the third of the currencies you need to manage. You, you want a surplus of time, you want a surplus of money, but actually having a deficit in your relationship capital <gasps> will pay a dividend. Like if oh. you lead with helping do those small things that get noticed and it is it is truly amazing how people will want to help you and, yep. and that's a good thing right we should all want to help each other i mean people come to me all the time how do i get to this conference i don't have the money i don't have it i can't get a ticket i'm like 
yo, email that pro the program manager and ask if you can volunteer. I promise you they have work that you could help with, you know, like just so it's like this. It's coupled with the hustle mindset with the altruistic mindset where you're like, I'm altruistically doing this, expecting nothing in return. I also freaking know you're the program manager and have all the speakers emails, and <laughs> you know, like and if I want to intro to one and I was really great to you and you think I won't embarrass you, you'll make my intro. Right. So there's there's this coupled in that i love that that's one of your main cornerstones of advice yeah yeah no wonderful um as we start to wrap up we have listeners that are further along that are you know earlier on so on and so forth are there any like just real key either lessons that you've learned best practices you've perfected anything that you haven't shared that you'd like to leave as a takeaway for the audience mm. I think I'd like to um, say two things really quick. One is the power of interns. Um, you do not have enough hours in the day to do all the things you need to do. And a whole lot of what you need to do is just Googling or making a Google sheet to like collect data and then see it all in one place, whether that be angel networks that you should apply to, pitch competitions you need to apply to, whether it be, you know, potential customers you wanna to sell to. Like these are things that MBA students, PhD students, PhD students is a totally unlocked labor force. So PhD students are paid by the school to do their PhD. Now they're very underpaid. So don't think PhDs got, got money, but they have enough to live. But what that allows you to do as an entrepreneur is not have to pay them and it still be legal because what they can do is get permission from their private uh, uh, principal investigator, their PI, and be able to say, hey, in order for me to pursue my doctoral degree and I want to get a job in pharma or, you know, biotech, I would like to intern for this company one day a week. And so they they're still being paid by their school at the lab. And so therefore you're in legal grace that you don't have to pay them. They're not, you know, free labor, they're being paid. But these are some of the smartest humans in the world. I mean, I've had interns come and be like, you want me to like manually do this? How about I just write a code? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you write a code, you do that. That's exactly what, yeah, you're right. That's what I wanted you to do. Um, so in, I think the power of interns is just totally underappreciated. And there's a lot of people out there who wanna build their resume, wanna get experience. And I think that again, that like altruism slash hustle, I'm hustling by getting these interns that I may not be able to pay for. But my altruism is that I'm like, I am here for you when you look for that job and you need someone to say, this person's awesome. You know, like you need it. You want to go to that conference. You let me email them on your behalf. Like you're getting into that conference. Right. And so my interns always are coming back being like, this was such a pivotal moment in my career. And then I think the other thing real quickly I'll mention is um, finding the right business partner. I think it's such a struggle for early stage entrepreneurs is who should your business partner be? I, this could be a whole nother episode, obviously. So my quick and dirty of it is that one, if you are the founder, do not give away co-founder too quick. Okay. I've done that before. I've said, oh my God, you care. You want to help. You'll be my co-founder, right? Then you can't take that back that easily. Okay. So uh, so reserve that co-founder title. Um, if you can find someone who's a software developer, I've been feeling that real deep lately with my pending payments to the software company. Like, damn, what if I had a co-founder who was able to code it? You know, that would have been really helpful. Um, but then also find somebody who my best business partners are the people who uh, shine on my shadows. So I don't like to say weaknesses because that's just Sutton, I mean, so negative, I think. So I have I have bright spots and I have shadows. Some of my bright spots are 
talking, presenting, sales, fundraising, uh, vision, leadership. Some of my shadows are legal, accounting, Google Drive. My inbox is overflowing. I'm really, you know, like my best business partners are inbox zero people. Uh, very analytical, neurotic almost to a point, um, detail oriented, who not only uh, aren't, no, I guess they could be presenters, but they have a deep desire not to be. I know that I am a lot, right? We do not need two Britneys on a team. And whenever you have somebody who's like, well, can I share the space with you? Sometimes I have I can see how that has not worked out in the past for me, um, where it's more like, Let's both do what we do really well and have faith that each other is doing the best we can do. And we don't have to be like sharing duties, right? Um, my co-founders never need to worry about who's going to go pitch, right? And that if it's going to be delivered well, I never need to worry about our bills getting paid because I pick people who are like on top of all that stuff. So that's just some two, some two cents uh, about business partners and interns. Really great stuff. I absolutely want to find a time to dig deeper into that finding the partners discussion that you're right. That's a long, oh, I got stories, Tom. I got stories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look for that another time. I'll give a quick hack on the intern piece. Cause I totally agree with you. If you're looking for interns, what we advise folks is don't Google do a Google scholar search and look for that second or third author on the papers. If you're looking for people that know your industry, that that's your tool to finding that intern that, um, is in the PhD program looking for something. Uh, excellent. So, um, excellent. I've never really, I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind, because I'm biased. I have a PhD. So I just go to my alma mater, but uh, you're right. If you didn't go to PhD school, which God bless you, you've probably made the right choice. Um, uh, that's probably the best way to find them. <laughs> anyway, uh, great stuff. I'm sure there are folks that want to know more about Fem Health Insights. Where can they find information? How can they yeah. reach out to your colleagues, et cetera? Well, first things first, if you like podcasts, even if you don't, you can start today. Go to Femtech Focus. So Femtech Focus is our podcast. It's on your any streaming device, whether that be YouTube, Spotify, Apple, just go Femtech Focus. You can listen there. And then everything else, go to femhealthinsights.com. That's where, let's say you're an enterprise company, you're interested in our data, you can access it there. We also have a free Slack community for you to join. So maybe you're a student or early stage Femtech founder, please join our Slack group introduce yourself. We're always posting about uh, pitch competitions and grants and events coming up. So I would say those are the two big things. Check out our podcast, Femtech Focus, and uh, go to femhealthinsights.com, subscribe, and join the Slack channel. Thank you again, Brittany. Again, this is Brittany Barreto, the founder of FemHealth Insights, winner of last year's Big Launch Challenge. Big Launch Challenge is coming up again this October 2023 in RTP. Uh, check out thelaunchplace.org if you want to learn more about that. We hope to see you there and look forward to all of our listeners joining us for the next episode. Thanks, Tom.